have your Bible. Let's say it. The Word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I, the word, I, will, be I will be blessed. And if I don't, if I, don't I, won't. I won't. It's just that simple. You can be seated. Tell your neighbor it's just that simple. If you would put VBI back up there, please, the two classes that we have. And I want to encourage all of you. We're going to be talking tonight about being instant in any season. You've all heard the expression, be instant in season. Let's all say it. Be instant in any season. And we are in a season that is like none that we have ever been in before. I'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight. If you've been watching the news and the situation in Syria, the situation with ISIS, uh, flights near Damascus, bombing, all of these things, folks, it, th this book is a history book. It's also a prophetic book. And if you are into this book, and if you are studying this book, your mind is going, oh my goodness. And the only way I can relate it is the stories that I've heard when John Hagee was a young boy sitting at a kitchen table with his father, who was a minister. And it was in May 14th of 1948. And his dad began to cry and weep and just weep. And he said, I've seen my dad cry before, but never like that. And he just began to weep. And he said, Dad, what's wrong? And he said, Son, many people won't understand this, but the end time prophetic message clock has begun. Israel has become a nation. And from that moment on, when Israel was birthed, all of the prophetic word that God had given us had a time clock on it because it had to happen. And up until May 14th of 1940, you and I can't relate to this, but up until May 14th of 1948, the Jews were scattered all over the world. Hitler was trying to wipe all of them out. Other nations were trying to wipe all of them out. And God sovereignly brought that nation back on his time frame with the United States of America being the first nation in the world to recognize the sovereignty of the nation of Israel. So we are moving into a time like none before. And uh, these two classes, the authority of the believer, I used to teach that class uh, years ago, and Bill O'Brien is going to teach it, and Bill taught some of that over in, uh, in Pakistan when we went, over in, in Lahore. But uh, I'm going to encourage all of you to pray about taking uh, some of the one or two of those classes, because if, if you do not understand the authority that we have been given on this earth, and the fact that we are going to go out of here in a blaze of glory, then you can tighten up and be a little bit afraid you, because you, you won't be ready for what's about to happen. But if you're ready for what's about to happen and you know how God is going to bless us as a church and as people, it's going to be one of the most exciting times of your life. But if you're not ready for it, then when it happens, you aren't going to be very valuable to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be valuable to God. And I don't mean you're not valuable to God from the standpoint that he doesn't value you, but he won't be able to use you. Our grandson Carter is going to practice right now. He's a, a freshman at Harrison, and he's hoping to, to make the, the freshman ball club, and he's, and he's doing really well. They, 
his, his regimen, I, I had no idea they did this. He has to be at practice at 6 a.m. He practices till 7.30 a.m. Then he has to go to all of his classes. Then uh, as soon as school out, he has to go to the weight room for 40 minutes. Then he goes home for two hours, then goes back and practices for an hour and a half every day. I thought, glory to God, that is a lot of practice. But what the coach wants to find out is if you can make it through practice. If you can make it through the durability of the process of the practice, then he knows you can make it through the game. But if you can't make it through the practice, you probably aren't going to make it through the game, so they're going to drop out one by one. I said, Carter, how you doing? He said, I'm not dropping out. So we, we agree with him. He's going to make it. That also means mom and dad are up at 5 a.m. to get him ready to go to school at 6 a.m. But it's going to be an exciting time. And if you understand the authority of the believer and who you are and the victory that you've been given and the power that you have through your words, you're going to be ready for what's about to happen. So tell your neighbor, I want to be ready. And then on overcoming faith, Dan's going to teach that class the second or the second class that night. Uh, if if you understand the message of faith, it is what moves the hand of God. Need does not move the hand of God. Faith moves the hand of God. If need moved the hand of God, his hand would be moving constantly. But it is faith that overcomes the world that moves the hand of God. I believe that most people do not operate in the God kind of faith. And when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse, where did he say that? Mark 11, 22. My wife is normally here to give me the scripture. God, I'm missing you already, honey. Mark 11, Mark 11, 22 says, have faith in God. When you understand what that faith means, it means that whatever the word of God says is the way it is, and that's what you proclaim. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that tonight. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy, and we're going to be looking there, but you can take those down or leave them up. But, but uh, Dan has taught that class before. He does a powerful job, as does Bill O'Brien. And I, I pray that you all will try to take as many of these classes as you can as we begin to be offered. But uh, I, I want to share with you about being instant in any season. How how many of you like a lot of notice before you're called upon? <laughs> like if I called upon you right now to come on up here and tell me your favorite scripture and tell me why, uh, you would hope I'd just keep right on walking, right? <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but my, my uncle, uh, Pam's uncle Gene, is going to come down and give his testimony that it's a powerful testimony. And when we do that, I want all of you to reach out to every single person that you know that's addicted to something and get them here that night because it'll change their life. But he said, now listen, I want a couple months notice before you call me down there to do that on a Wednesday night. And I said, you'll have the same amount of notice that the Holy Spirit gives me. Glory to God. God is instant in season when he says things and he wants us to be instant in any season. Can you say amen to that? So let's say it. I am instant in season. Whatever you need me to do, Lord, you can call on me anytime. I'm looking at Wes and he's smiling over there. But see, we get to that point. I'll never forget the time. Some of you have heard this story when we were on staff at Victory. And it, it was all new to me, and God was opening the door, and, and I was being blessed, but I knew it had nothing to do with me. It, it, it had to do with the obedience when God said, I want you to go to Tulsa, and you'll find the meaning for your life. And that's all I knew. So we got in the car and went out, and you know the story. I asked Pam, told Pam, I said, I feel like God's telling us to go to Tulsa. And she said, let's go. And I thought, oh, glory to God, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. I, I want somebody to put the brakes on me. But uh, So we went. And then God began to open the doors. 
And we're in, in, in what's called Christ Chapel at ORU Maybe Center one day. And it's a worship service getting ready to start. And God had opened the door, and I was working alongside Billy Joe Doherty as the pastor. Not as the pastor. He was the pastor. But what I meant working alongside him, I was the gopher. You all, you all know what a gopher is? You know, go for this, go for that. That was my job. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so we're up there during worship. And as, as happens sometimes, he just leaned over his shoulder, and he said, did Eula May call you today? Worship is going on. All the people are out there, about 4,000 people in the place. And he, he said, did Eula May call you today? And I said, no. And he said, well, she was supposed to. And the worship's going on. I thought, well, well I don't know. I thought he wanted me to go get him something. And, uh, and then I leaned back, and, and, or he leaned back again. He said, she, she was supposed to call and tell you to do communion. And, and we're doing communion right out of worship. And I said, Did, she didn't call? And I said, no, she didn't call. And we got her hand, and we're, no, she didn't call. And so we're going like that, and the chills going through me because I've never done communion. Never had never done communion before in my life. And, and, and all of a sudden, he leans back again. And he said, are you prepared to do communion? And I leaned back, and I said, no. <laughs> And we keep worshiping the Lord for a while longer, and pretty soon he leans back again. And he said, how long does it get you, take you to get prepared? <laughs> well, I knew exactly what he meant. And I thought, oh, I'm doing communion. I'm telling you what, my mind went blank. I didn't even remember what it was. We, I, we'd been there for communion. Every Wednesday night we did communion. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? I don't know what we do. And all of a sudden, this microphone is coming to me from the worship leader. I'm going up and thinking, God, you have to show up. And I remember beginning to do the communion and praying for people to receive Jesus. And I had my eyes closed. And when I finally opened them, there's hands everywhere to receive Jesus. And it just it was awesome. Now I'm getting into it. Now I'm like, yeah, I remember what we do now. Just people getting the same. It was really exciting. When I started back to my seat, I said, thank you, Lord. And this is what I heard. Don't think you had anything to do with that. <laughs> it was all me. Now, I want you to know this. If you will humble yourself before the hand of Almighty God, Sunday's message, and let him use you, let him make what you might think a fool out of you, he'll never humiliate you but he will take you places you've never been before. And he will do things through you that you've never done before. And this season is exciting. And when you look at the book of Matthew, some people can look at the book of Matthew. We're going to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But some people look at the book of Matthew 24 and they get kind of petrified. It's like, oh, wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and, and all these things are going to happen and all this stuff. Yep. It is spoken by our Lord and Savior. It's on. The game is on. Turn to your neighbor and say, game on. game on. Can't postpone it. It's coming exactly when he said. 2 Timothy chapter 3, very similar to Matthew 24, says, Perilous times are coming, and these are the signs of the times. And you look at them, and you can look at the times that we are living in today and the things that you see. If you read 2 Timothy in its entirety, chapter 3, and things are getting bad in the world. 
And Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, 33, that in the world, Pam shared on this Sunday, I believe a little bit, that there will be tribulations, squeezing, challenges, people will be blasphemers, they'll all of the things that, that you as a younger person, we have a lot of young people here, but as a younger person, you can't comprehend that are happening today. I am older than most of you. There are things today I cannot comprehend that are happening today that were unheard of, unheard of back in the 40s and the 50s. And then the 60s and things there. But now we're dealing with things that are absolutely unbelievable. Would you say amen to that? Not only in the world, but in America. So we're living right now, I believe, my personal opinion, we are living in Matthew 24. We are living in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's just a matter of time until the other things happen. Now, make note of this scripture, because when I was watching television last night, well, let me read this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, because Pam, sometimes when I share this with Pam, I can tell she's thinking, you're getting awfully excited about this. I am. I think it's going to be one heck of a fight, and a good fight is a fight you win. And we're going to win this fight. We're going to win this fight. But it is a fight. It is a fight of faith to stand firm on what you believe. You cannot believe what you do not know. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, I understand that. You cannot believe what you do not know. All of this is going to happen. There are people who say, oh, no, 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 no. I believe, I believe, I believe. And then they say things contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is going to happen. It's not a question of, is it going to happen? The only question is, when it's going to happen? I believe it's already happening. Can you comprehend the United States of America being in a coalition with Muslim Sunni nations attacking other Sunnis? which is against the Koran, and we are having a coalition, and we are flying into Syria uninvited, and bombs are dropping, and some people, this is an opinion, everybody say it's an opinion, some people believe that nuclear weapons have been stored in Syria, and that some of them could have been stored in Damascus, and that we have airplanes flying and other nations flying and bombing in the area of Syria, and they're flying right by Damascus, and that there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter 17 that says, in one day, Damascus will disappear. Now, we can be sitting here and thinking, oh, wait a minute, how's a, how's a city like Damascus, one of the oldest cities in the world, going to disappear? I have no idea. But God said, one day it's going to be gone. One day it's here, one day it's gone. I've read over that scripture for years and it never meant a thing to me. I didn't understand it, didn't care, kept right on going. Now we've got all sorts of things going on in and near Damascus. And God said that just before the rapture and the battle of Gog and Magog, and we're not going to get involved in all this tonight, but I just want to set this tone for you. All of these things are starting to come into play. Who would have thought that something that came forth hundreds of years ago as a prophetic word was starting to look like a possibility? Turn to your name and say, if God said it, it's settled. 
if God said it, it is settled. It is a fact. You can't figure it out. It's just going to happen. Let's all say it again. Game on. Now, if you're ready for it, it's going to be an exciting time because God's got a lot for us to do. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, summing up Matthew 24, summing up 2 Timothy chapter 3, okay, it looks like it's going to be kind of doom and gloom. Not at all. But all those things are going to come into play. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, everybody say, that's me, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Verse number one of uh, chapter four. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So let's all say it. I am instant in any season. Whether it's in season or whether it's out of season, we're prepared. Just as you prepare right now, or you should be preparing right now for winter. Don't wait till you get finished and get into winter. A lot of people do. See them out there doing their stuff in the middle of winter. Get prepared now for winter because it's coming, but it's not coming in the fall. At least we hope it's not. Uh, so we got some time to get prepared for. So what we want to do is get prepared for what the Word of God says here that you and I should do. In this church, I have probably for years been preaching two things. Number one, you need to live the Word of God and you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not going to change, but it's going to become more critical. It's going to become more critical because of the season. It's more critical to wear winter clothing when it's 20 below zero than in the summer. Turn to your neighbor and say, I get it. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, there's a time period there of a season where are you ready? When's your birthday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Say happy birthday to Mike. <laughs> just happen, just happen to think that. You look like a space guy. We're praying for his lungs to totally clear up. Father, we thank you for Mike. We pray healing. Lord, you have an assignment for Mike and Michelle. First of all, it's going to be a long life, but also all of those kids up there in Logansport and other areas of the world where you would call them to share with the children of the teenagers. We just speak to these lungs to be clear. We don't make light of what he's going through, but we thank you for the faith that he has. We declare healing in his body, healing in his body, and a good report, a good report in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. We believe that. Now, if you live the word of God, you're going to be okay. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be okay because everything the Holy Spirit shows you to do is going to be your level of faith. Is that making sense so far? Okay, because some of you it doesn't look like it's making sense. So get your making sense face on and then turn to your name and say, I got my making face sense face on now. Okay, all right. All right. So, so, so it, it makes sense. Now, let me show you how this works. The other day, we had a low offering. I don't like low offerings. I like big offerings. Now, now, but the low offering comes in, and, and there it is. It is what it is. And the next week, we have a 
big offering. I prefer to have big offerings every week because that means we can give more to benevolence and give more to missions and do more in the Sudan and other things of, of that nature. And so I was praying and I was having, it wasn't exactly a pity party, but I didn't particularly like the offering. And this is what I heard in my spirit. How many of you realize you hear in your spirit? All you have to do, that was not enough hands. How many of you realize you hear in your spirit? You do, whether you know it or not, you're hearing. Now, you may think, oh, no, it's a thought in my mind. It's thought in my, it, it comes through your mind. That's sure, true. But if you're a born-again Christian, you have a live spirit that wants to be fed by the Holy Spirit. And when, you're, and when you're fed, you have the thought. But you do then have to ration out the not rational. You have to determine where the thought came from. Did this come from the Holy Spirit to my spirit? Or is this something that the devil said? And then you look at it and you measure it with the word of God and whether or not you have peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So, so, so this is what I heard. I was saying, God, I don't understand this. I don't like those low offerings. I praise you for whatever we have. And we thank you for whatever the offering is. But I, if you want to know what I want, I prefer bigger offerings. Uh, and it was just a little glitch. But this is exactly what I heard in my spirit. Got my pen out. I'll carry this everywhere I go. Hold steady and watch what I'm about to do. Your source is me, not the offerings. Don't you ever forget that. Exclamation mark. Yes, sir. <laughs> In other words, it was very exciting. And, and it gave me, it boosted my faith. I need a little boost. And he gave it to me. And he said, and by the way, don't get your eyes in the wrong place. Tell your neighbor, don't get your eyes in the wrong place. Most of us, from time to time, look at the wrong source. The source for everything is Jesus. That's why when you call this church, whether it's Amy Blumling or whoever it is on our sound, you, the last thing you hear is Jesus is the answer. And that is exactly true. If we have faith in God, Jesus is the answer for everything that we do. So we look at this and we say, okay, I need to, be le I need to live the word of God. And, and what happens sometimes is if you're not ready for the fight of faith because the fight is coming to steal the word from you, then you, you, you won't like being around somebody that wants to make you live the word of God even though you feel like something's not going right. Does that, does that make sense to you? Like every, it makes sense to half of you. Okay, all of you just nod your head and then I'll be all right. Okay, in other words, I wish Pam were here because it would be easier, but... But sometimes if, if Pam was, would be upset about something, she'd get upset about something, be a little, in my opinion, anxious. And she would say the same thing. I, I would say, I know what the problem is. And I said, what's that? And I said, you're not living the word. And, and that doesn't go over real big with a husband and wife. And we realize, I, I think I could tell you that. <laughs> I could tell my wife. But <laughs> I was working the other day with, oh, I didn't turn in a receipt to Heather. I used to have to count to Pam for the receipts. And, and, Pam, and Heather said, hey, you got a receipt missing here. And I finally found it. It was from the trip to the, Israel or whatever. And I gave it to her. And Pam came in. I said, she's a lot easier to work with than you. And, she, and Pam said, she's not married to you. <laughs> but, I, but I said to Pam, I said, I said, you're not living the Word of God. Well, you know what I mean? I'm not living the Word of God. I said, you're anxious. I said, well, you would be too if. And then I said, the word of God says, be anxious for nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm not married to him. <laughs> if you're going to live the word of God, you have to live the word of God. Does that make sense? 
And if you're not going to live the Word of God, if you're anxious for things right now, you are not ready for this fight. You are going to be blown away. You're going to be one of the first casualties. I, now I take that back. You are not going to be one of the first casualties. But if, you're, but if you're one of those people that get anxious over things, no, no, it's not going to work. Let's just say, be anxious, be anxious for nothing. I thank God that Pam and I can be a counterbalance for one another. Sometimes when I get anxious about something, she'll say, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And that's the way a husband and wife should be. But always be ready to rebuke, reprove, in season, through the scripture of the word of God. Does that make sense? So in other words, if you think, well, if this situation will change, I'll be okay. No, you'll be okay no matter what the situation. If you're going through a storm, keep going. If you're, if, if, if you're flying through a storm or driving through a storm or going through a ship through a storm, uh, it, when, when Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side and they became fearful, I really believe the problem was uh, not that they didn't rebuke the storm. If he tells you to go to the other side and a storm comes, if you can rebuke it, fine. But if not, go through that sucker. You can go through a storm. Tell you anybody, I can go through a storm. If you're waiting to rebuke it and it won't go away and you stop in the middle of the stream and you should be going to the other side, you can go through a storm, over storm, under storm. You can do anything you want if God told you to do it. That's why you have to know what God is saying to you. Now, as we get closer and closer in the end time, it is essential that you have a prayer journal. And when I say a prayer journal, I'm saying something that you know God is telling you so that you're going to be okay. This thing right here is the written word of God and the rhema comes by the spirit of God and you've got to know the rhema. In other words, the Holy Spirit quickens it to you. But when you're going through things and you just look for a scripture here and you say, okay, I'm going to take this scripture right here because it says I can do this and therefore I'm going to do that. And you're the one that wanted to do it. Does it make sense what I'm saying to you? In other words, I'm just taking a scripture to do what I want to do. That's not how it's going to work, folks. You have to know what the Holy Spirit is showing you to do. The other day when I got that about, some of you were here Sunday and you heard me talking about uh, uh, building a rice factory in the Sudan. I, I just heard that. I don't know how to do it. I haven't done anything about it yet because I haven't known exactly what to do, but I know what I think I heard. Everybody say, I know what I think I heard. So I know what I believe my faith is going to be released for and that somewhere along the line, God is going to bring some kind of an intersection there of something that, okay, I think I know what he's saying. I know what, what is going on so that I then can release my faith. It's the same thing for each and every one of you. Now, the reason why the word of God, whether it's by the Holy Spirit, it's all by the Holy Spirit, but whether it's by the written word that becomes rhema to you or whether or not it's by a, a, a word that God has given you by the Spirit, a, a current word, you have to know what he's saying because the word of God is given to you as delegated from God to you as his authority for you. Wave your hand if that makes sense to you. In other words, God said it, that settles it. Now I'm giving it to Charmaine to use and this is your authority. And you speak that forth, and it will birth it on this earth. Now, when you understand how this works, it will, it will set you apart, not for a prideful reason at all, but it'll set you apart, and people think you're weird. It's like, God told me this, so therefore I am birthing this, and you can't convince me otherwise. When I, when I was on staff at Victory, 
Billy Joe had me do a lot of things for him. I was nobody. I was a gopher. I, w I understand that. So I'm not trying to say it to elevate myself, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing things for him. I never wanted to stop. Never, I never really wanted to come back to Lafayette. I wanted to continue doing what I was doing. And, 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 but this one day, I noticed that when I would call people, and he'd say, I want you to call, and I want you to tell him, and he'd tell me what he wanted me, wanted me to do. And I noticed that when I called people in ministries and things like this, and I'd say, uh, hi, this is Bill Mickler. I'm calling for Billy Joe Doherty. Bam! The respect level and the way it was handled with me was really different. Now, most of you don't know this person, John Osteen. He's in heaven. He's the founder of Lakewood Church. Uh, I, I think that was the name of it. I'm not sure. Oasis of Love. And uh, but anyway, Joel's father, and he he built that church back when when mega churches were not around. There were no there were hardly any churches like that. And and he built that church to about seven eight thousand people there in Lakewood uh, in the uh, Houston area. And so Billy Joe wanted something from John Osteen about a situation in India. And so, and it was a great example on the authority of the believer for me. And so I called and I said, uh, uh, I'm calling for Billy Joe Doherty. And uh, the secretary must have misunderstood what I said. But I'm, I'm sure that I did. And this was years ago, but I've never forgotten it. And I, I said, I'm calling for Billy Joe Doherty. <clears throat> now, to me, John Osteen was just the epitome of a man of God that, you know, I wouldn't be calling at all. But I was calling to get some information from his secretary that had to come from him. And the next thing I know, the phone, this guy says, hey, Billy Joe, how are you? And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, that's John Osteen's voice. And so I got John Osteen on the phone, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And I said, I'm sorry, this is Bill Mickler. Oh, I thought it was Billy Joe. I said, no, I'm calling for Billy Joe. Well, what can I do for you? And he was the most pleasant guy, has this huge mega church, and he's taking time to listen to me because I used a name that opened a door that brought immediate respect and power to accomplish the purpose. Does that make sense to all of you? That's how it works. That's how faith works. God said that settles the issue, and this is what I'm saying. Now, people will come against you if you start to live this type of message, but we are to be a light to the world. We are going from glory to glory. We, when, when, when these things in Matthew 24 come, when these <laughs> that are coming, that are here, these things in 2 Timothy, we're not going out of here wimping out of here. We are going out of here glorious from glory to glory to glory. Can you say amen to that? Now, that's because of the Word of God and the power of the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is active, powerful, more active, more powerful than anything on this earth. But what it says, and I want to turn there to give you, uh, uh, I said Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I want to read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore, it's talking about why the children of God never inherited exactly what they had when he wanted them to have it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of all joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What he's saying is that they would not take his word and mix it with faith 
and rest in what he said. But they were fearful and concerned about how it's going to work. There are a lot of people that are fearful and concerned when they look at the news. We should look at the news and say, my goodness, that's the book of Matthew chapter 24. That's Isaiah. That's Ezekiel 37. That's Ezekiel 38. It's all happening before our eyes. By the way, who's with Dancing on the Stars? I don't know and I don't care. But I want to watch and find out where we are in God's time frame. Now, if you're not careful you will fall prey to what it tells us in the book of Mark, chapter 4. And if you turn over there, it's talking about what's going to happen to people who will put God first and, and follow after Him. It's called the parable of the sower. And it fits right in, especially when we get to the very end, because it is God's will that we be blessed in everything that we do for Him. If it was his will that we be blessed in everything that we do, we'd be blessed all the time. But there are times when you know you weren't blessed and you found out later on you were way out of the will of God. God didn't do anything to hurt you, but you went through a suffering process to find out that I went down the wrong road. Didn't you, Todd? And all of us have been there at one time or another. It's like, you know what? This road seemed pretty good when I started, but it is horrible. I am on the wrong road. I need to change and get on the right road. The good news is it's easy to change if you do it. And some people might say, how could it be easy? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so what we do, we look at Mark, and I'm going, to, I'm going to simplify some of this for you or, or shorten it a little bit. But if you look at the book of Mark, it's chapter 4 is where we're going to start. Jesus was teaching by parable. And, uh, and a parable is a, simply a story to illustrate a moral truth. And, and, and he was talking about how that when, the, when you go out to sow seeds, the, the, he's using this example, and this is where I'm going to shorten the story. You know, if you go out and you sow the seeds and you sow some, sow some of them over here, and it, they don't produce, and some on another area, and it doesn't produce, and some over in this area, it doesn't produce. And, and he's talking about all of this. And it says he's talking, talking and sharing this with the disciples and some others in the group. And then when, when it all got finished, it says, but when he was alone, in verse number 10 of Mark chapter 4, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said, what well, do you, uh, it, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but to those who are outside, all things uh, come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And then he goes on to give the breakdown of the example of exactly why it is important to understand this parable. And it starts in verse number 13 of Mark chapter 4. And, and this is what he said. Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all of the parables or all of the moral truths that I'm giving you? And that uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I have heard that the teaching of Jesus, about a third of all of his teaching was done in parable, illustrating moral truths. And then he goes on here to say what I believe is going to happen, in, is happening in the world today. Talking about the seed of the Word of God that is the seed that produces the power in our lives. The authority is the seed of the Word of God. 
and that when that seed is given and planted, it either takes root and it produces fruit or it doesn't. And that's why this parable, I believe that Jesus was saying, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything. Your source is not the government. Your source is not your family. Your source is not America. Your source is not anything other than God and his word and his son, his word made flesh. And when you understand that everything inside you that is going to produce what God wants to produce is based on his word to you. Then you start to walk in that dimension. And that's why I said, if you don't understand this, you won't do it. But if you'll do it, then that's how you will be blessed. Now, now let's pick up on verse number 15. This is what he said after saying, getting their attention, saying this is the most important thing of all of the parables. And if you don't get this, you're not going to get any of it. The sower sows the word. Now we know that that was Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit coming, the word made flesh. And in verse number 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I don't believe that's happening to you today, but let me see the hands of all the people that's happened to somewhere along your line, where it prolonged where you were longer than it had to be. Took you down a path you didn't have to go because you heard the word, you got excited, you walked out the door, and all hell broke loose. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of husband or wife, okay? But how many of you walked out of here at one time or another feeling absolutely awesome about life, about yourself, and you got about four or five blocks away and all hell seemed to break loose. You know what I'm talking about. That's because the devil comes immediately to steal the word of God. Now, if you, if you get this, it'll, it'll change your life. The more words you get, the more attacks you'll get. So look forward to an attack. That's hard for most people. You gotta lick your lips. Here he comes again. Mm-hmm, am I ready for him? Submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee. You can kick the devils behind anytime you want through the word of God. But if he's not coming for the word, you're probably not growing in the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's probably talking to you now. <laughs> if he's not coming for the word, you're probably not growing in the word, but you're also not being blessed by God. So, it says right here, the sower sows the word, and the, the devil comes immediately to take that word that's in your heart. These likewise, are, now he's talking about another kind. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. Oh, glory to God, I really needed that word tonight. And they have no root in themselves. You know, they're going to go home and they're all excited. And then tomorrow morning they call the church and say, I'm in trouble. And they haven't. That was a joke, by the way. And, and they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a little while. And then after, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, what's it say? What's it say? For the word's sake. Why is tribulation, why is all this stuff coming? To steal the word. The devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. He comes and try to get that stronghold 
that all of us have had. Anybody thinks they haven't had a stronghold? Fooling themselves. We've all had strongholds to deal with. And he comes and he tries to put that thought in there, just like he did with Eve. Did God really say, and he comes and knocks on your head. your head sound like that? <laughs> and, and, and he comes and tries to knock and get you to think something contrary to the word of God. But if you don't do that, he turns around and he flees because you're submitted to the word of God. If you get a hold of this, it'll change your life. And then it said they have no root in themselves, for, so they endure only for a little while. Afterward, tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not me. Not anymore. Now, these are the ones he's given, he's given the kinds that he described earlier in the parable. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, that word cares, it's a Greek, it's a Greek, uh, well, it's all Greek in, in here, but, but, uh, but, but it's meremno. It's the same word and the same root word is in cast all your cares on, on me at 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, it says, this is the one who, who the cares of the world thinking all about the thing. Gosh, I wish I had a new car. Oh, I wish I had a new house. Oh, I wish I, how many of you ever had a wish list? Oh, I wish I had this. Oh, I wish I had that. Oh, my goodness, I wish I had a bigger, oh, I wish I had a bigger yard. Oh, I wish I could spend more time getting weeds out of my yard. Glory to God, I wish somebody would get the weeds out of my yard, but I'm not, because <laughs> <coughs> I do have weeds in my yard. Lee Klinger came down and edged my yard today. Is Lee here tonight, Glory? He's probably sleeping, resting. Glad he, sorry he missed church, but I'm glad he did my yard. Uh, but, but, but anyway, don't be thinking about all the stuff in the world. See, some people can watch the news and apply it prophetically. Oh, glory to God, what an exciting time. Some people watch the news and they get, they get really anxious. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So if you understand what the Word of God says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choke out the world, the word, and, the, and then it becomes unfruitful. Let's all say it. That's not me. Now, all that Jesus is saying in Matthew, get prepared. Second Timothy, Paul is talking about it. Get prepared. You're going to be okay. Everything is going to be all right. I believe all of it sums right up here in the next verse. And he's talking about the ones who bear tremendous fruit. And it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept the word, they bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. In other words, I got the word. I know what the word says. I know what it says. Therefore, I am going to live that word. Because that word came from Almighty God. He delegated that word to me. And along with the delegation, he gave me the authority to use that word. Therefore, I am who he says I am. And we walk with that authority. And that as we get closer and closer to the end, we're going to bear fruit. Why? Because it glorifies God. And that everything that we touch is going to bear fruit because we're on assignment from God. I don't know why I always think about this, but one of my favorite movies of all times 
is the Blues Brothers. <laughs> I just love that movie. And when I, every once in a while I'll put it in and Pam says, are you watching that dumb thing again? And I said, honey, I think it's so funny. But he says, how many of you know the movie I'm talking about? And he says, I'm on assignment from God. <laughs> I just love that. But you know what? We are on assignment from God. Send your name say, I'm on assignment from God. You're either on your post and on duty and active or you're AWOL. A lot of people go AWOL every once in a while, but we're either living it or we're not. And I think it's coming to the point where we've got to jerk the slack out of each other and say, are you going to live the word or talk about the word? If you're going to live the word, you're going to look like, act like, and talk like Jesus. If you're not, you're going to be up and down, in, out, anxious, fearful, concerned, doubt, unbelief, all those kind of things. Get on the sideline and sit over there to get your act together because we can't use you. But for the rest of you that are ready to go, let's go to the front line because there's big things to do. Let's stand to our feet. You believe there's big things for you to do? Oh, glory to God. I believe there. I believe, I believe the creativity of Almighty God is going to kick in and the world is going to be astounded at what is happening in the body of Christ that is tuned in to live the Word and to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are people that don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. There are mainline denominations that, that just act like the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. The Holy Spirit is going to be the dominant player in these end times. And he's lifting up the name of Jesus and he's ushering in the return of Jesus, not to the earth, but to the rapture of the church and let the rest of the world learn a very valuable lesson the hard way. But we have the answer. If you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You've got that baptism of that Holy Spirit in you. You are a perfect candidate for God to use. But you've got to stop being concerned about the cares of the world. You've got to stop being concerned about yourself. You've got to lay your life down and say, God, here I am. Use me. I'm going to do whatever you say. I'm going to go wherever you say. And we're going to see your word come to pass, your plan for my life. It's going to be exciting, folks. It is going to be exciting. Don't be moved by the headlines. Don't be moved by the government. Doesn't matter what administration is in there. Nobody is going to succeed that does not have Jesus Christ first as their Lord and Savior. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you this question. Do you know if your life ended today, you would go to be with Jesus? You may be here and you'd say, well, I don't know. Well, the Word of God says that our spirit, born again, birthed again, bears witness with the Holy Spirit. So if you're not sure, that would tell me that you need to get your life right, life right with the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You, you know, you know that you have drifted away from God. The good news is God loves you, but God wants you to come back. And if you're here and, and you say, Pastor, you have described me, I know my life isn't right. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. We'll take just a moment as the Holy Spirit moves. You say, I, I don't know if I died tonight, I'd go to be with Jesus, but I, I want that assurance. Maybe you'd just say, I'm, I'm like that prodigal. I know my life is not right. 
anyone at all. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.